the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein and... We're back. It's week one. We officially have NFL football to talk about. The Packers will travel to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings for week one of the regular season. But Perry, before we jump into the Packers-Vikings division matchup, let's share some news with our listeners. Yeah, so everyone who is listening, um, like Maggie said, we are now um, heading into the season. And to start off this season... Um, We are excited to let you all know that we have teamed up with Odyssey to bring you more Packs What She Said. Um, So we're joining uh, their podcast network that covers all 32 NFL teams. They also have a few other podcasts that have a national scope if you're interested in hearing all about the NFL. Um, But we will be your Packers podcast with Odyssey. Um, And on top of that, you'll continue to get our Monday night recaps of the games and our preview shows like today. Um, but we'll also be dropping an extra episode during the season throughout the week, other news tidbits about the Packers that we get. So we're very, very, very excited about this. We can't wait to bring you even more Packs which she said content. Um, we will still have our guests like normal. There will still be some video content. So everything should stay the same, just a little bit extra. And now we are, uh, with Odyssey. Yeah, so Packers get their new look for the 2022 season, and we get our new look for our 2022 season. But let's let's dive in, because I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Yes, it's the regular season. We knew this was coming, but we didn't see much from the starters in the preseason, really anything at all. So what are you, what are you excited about? Offense, defense, anything? I Well, I think this is going to be a really interesting test. I think week one is always kind of the trial run, right? We don't know what new concepts Matt LaFleur is going to trot out with. This is obviously going to be a very new offense with tons of new weapons and new ways to use those weapons. But I think the Vikings are going to be just a really interesting first game to play. It's a divisional opponent. They obviously know each other really well. But the Vikings have a new head coach. Um kind of a very similar offense, I guess, plus Jalen Rieger now. Um, so this defense who is touting itself as, you know, dominant and hopefully going to be top five in the league um, is going to have to contend with, you know, a very nice receiving core and Dalvin Cook to begin with. So welcome back, Jair Alexander. Let's see what Rashawn Gary's got. You know, like this is going to be kind of their like put the league on notice game, I think, for the defense. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the secondary and how, you know, they'll have their own challenges. We know Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are already kind of a top two or one of the the best tandems in the NFL at this point as far as a receiving core. You add in Delvin Cook. So the secondary, you know, will have their their stressors. And I think it's exciting to see what Joe Barry's base is going to look like. We think we have an idea. We think Rasul maybe will get the nickel looks early. But knowing the versatility that they have, you know, does he do something funky? Does Jair shadow Justin Jefferson the whole game? Or does Eric Stokes get some looks there? Like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm excited to see, like what some of these personnel packages look like under Joe Barry now that he's got such a versatile secondary. Exactly. And, I mean, we've been very excited about the secondary getting Jair back and kind of figuring out where they're going to move all these pieces around because they have an incredible starting five. 
My expectation is that it'll be pretty base to start out with. You just have to see kind of what the base can do versus the Vikings offense. But I think it'll be really fun to see what they do about the middle of that defense, how much Quay Walker gets to play next to Devondre Campbell, just knowing what kind of run game attack Dalvin Cook has and can give to the Packers defense. So there's a lot of, I think, moving parts here. And like I said, it's just going to be a really interesting test because, yes, we can comment on Kirk Cousins and his averageness, but this Vikings offense gives Packers fits like more often than not. They usually split the series and it's game one. Anything can happen. Yeah, especially game one in Minneapolis with the kind of environment that we're expecting, you know, hostile, obviously, um, for starters, but I am really looking forward to to seeing this starting front seven out there. You talked about Quay and Campbell already. Like you said, we're not sure how much Quay is going to play initially, but we do expect him to get some significant snaps. You know, it certainly will be different than when the Packers trotted out Chris Barnes a couple of years ago um, as kind of this unheralded rookie that nobody expected to even be in the starting lineup. Now you've got two you know, you've got an all pro at inside linebacker and you have a first round draft pick opposite him, which is the largest, you know, investment in the inside linebacker position I can ever remember the Packers making, at least in the last decade. But I think maybe what I'm more excited about than anything else is just kind of that front four in the edge rush, because this Vikings offensive line is not great. <laughs> They've had their own share of struggles and we know that the Packers' run defense has struggled significantly, and Dalvin Cook is going to be one of the, the biggest challenges that this team will face all season. So Kenny Clark didn't play in the preseason. You know, Dean Lowry didn't play. Jaron Reed didn't play. So what do these guys look like now when they're all on the field at the same time? Yeah. I do kind of hope that Joe Barry just, like, throws the kitchen sink at them a little bit um, because, like you said, the Vikings' offensive line, I think, across their entire offense is probably their weakest link. Um, you know, you can talk all you want about their wide receiver core and Dalvin Cook. And yes, like Kirk Cousins, you know, he he can throw the ball, but um, you're going to cause some really, really, really big problems if you can just attack that kind of weak offensive line. And, um, you know, Garrett Bradbury has been Kenny Clark's lunch meat for quite some time. And we know Kenny loves to sack the Vikings more than anything else. So I think it'll be really fun to see them all out there. The rotation will definitely be interesting. I think like snap allocation, um, we've been talking about getting getting Kenny Clark some help for quite a bit. And hopefully that means he gets a little bit more rest than, you know, playing almost 100% of snaps. So it will be interesting to see what the rotation looks like, how much they play, when they play, on what kind of downs, et cetera. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, Packers fans obviously know that Preston Smith and Rashawn Geary are, you know, the premier edge rushers. That's never been a question. And how they'll look, you know, maybe the versatility if Joe Barry wants to utilize Rashawn the same way he did with Zedaria Smith a couple of years ago, kind of as a roaming nose over center, if he shies away from that, because now he's got Kenny Clark, who maybe can stand up a little bit. Um, I'm excited for him to get some kind of end rushes and edge snaps or end snaps instead of having to always kind of be nose tackle in the Joe Barry defense. But I'm also really curious to see kind of how the depth chart shakes out as far as edge three, like who they bring in to spell guys like Preston and Rashawn. We know that, you know, they're going to be on third downs. That's the Packers. It's the, you know, it's the, the pressure down. Joe Barry's going to want to get the defense off the field, but who, you know, is the initial guy that they bring in? Is it Kingsley and Igbari? is a TIPA and kind of how some of that depth looks too. Yeah. Right now the backup, if you will, outside linebackers are 
JJ and Agbare and Jonathan Garvin behind Preston Smith. So, but like you said, I mean, I think it could be Tipa. It could be pretty much anybody at this rate vying for that third edge spot. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the offense as a whole from the Vikings or how they match up with the defense before we shift to the Packers offense and the Vikings defense? No, although I'll throw a question back at you because I'm curious about your thoughts and this could be for offense too, I guess, but like who the, I don't want to use X factor because that's overused, but a player that we may not be expecting to be dominant and kind of a, a force in this game for the Packers, maybe on defense. I'm going to say Jaron Reed. And I I think, you know, part of that is just because maybe we have expectations of who he could be and what he'll bring to the defense. And by all accounts, he had a really nice camp. He had like the, the quick scare with the wrist injury and was back out on the practice field the same day. So nothing lingering there, but I think he'll see some pretty significant snaps, at least in these first couple games over guys like Devontae Wyatt, probably even over, you know, Dean Lowry, he'll get acclimated in there pretty quickly. So if, you know, tradition serves and Kenny Clark is dealing with a significant number of double teams, like we would expect him to, then I think Jaron Reed is going to get some opportunities right away. And I think part of why his sack numbers and some of his pressure numbers went down the last couple of years is because he had to be, you know, the guy for the defensive line. But now that he'll have guys like Kenny Clark and Dean and Rashawn and Preston to spell him for some of that, I think he could be kind of the forgotten man along the defensive line. And he'll, he'll get some opportunities to, to either get some pressure in the backfield or maybe, you know, some nice run stops with guys like Delvin Cook back there. I'm not surprised at all. That's who I had in mind as well. (laughs) I think there's something about a veteran also that you can trust a little bit more in week one. Like you'd love to think it would be Quay or Devonta Wyatt just because of where they were drafted, but it's definitely easier to, I think, put those expectations on someone who's played in the league as long as Jaron Reed has. And you feel like can actually come in to a new scheme and still be able to do what he needs to do. Yeah, it's funny though because if it wasn't Reed, I was gonna say Pat O'Donnell, the punter. But we're not. We're not. I don't think we're ready to talk about that yet, or move into that that phase of the conversation. So, (laughs) offense. Yes, let's talk about offense. I don't know because we learned today. Today we're recording. It's Wednesday, September seventh. That Alan Lazard got stepped on in practice. So. He's questionable. Um, I don't know if they're like playing it up, but I, I'm confused a little bit about this injury all of a sudden to our wide receiver one who is not practicing in the week leading up to week one. So offenses are already going to look very, very different without Devontae Adams. And then you remove Alan Lazard and I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that? It's, it's really interesting because you know, the, They released their first unofficial injury report today. And, you know, it was good news because Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari were limited participants. Robert Tunyon is a limited participant. So, you know, not to try and read the tea leaves too prematurely in the week, but it seems like they'll have at least an outside shot to play like we kind of expected them to. Um, And Christian Watson is a full participant, which is really interesting. So I think maybe the expectation before this week was that Christian Watson wouldn't be playing yet. And Alan Lazard obviously was wide receiver one going into that conversation. And now we're not sure if Lazard is even going to play. So if we had to take the same exercise that we had in uh, 
I guess, for the defense as far as who we think will play significant snaps. This, to me, feels like it could be like the Sammy Watkins game. Yep. At this point, because I'm not I'm not ready to to crown Romeo Dobbs. I think he'll have a ton of opportunities. I think he'll be in kind of with that starting receiving core early. But if Rodgers is looking for the guys he trusts and Lazard isn't out there, he's going to go to Cobb and he's going to go to Watkins a lot. I could not agree more. I think first off, I mean, the Packers brought in Sammy Watkins for a reason, right? This is maybe a a need for him to re kind of resurge his career, but also they had to have seen something in him. And that's been reiterated over and over again throughout training camp from 12 about how much he trusts him, how he sees what he still has left, how he can add to this offense. Maybe he's not like that blazing deep threat anymore, but you know, he's going to get the ball anyway. So like you said, when you, if you potentially are removing Alan Lazard from that equation, you should probably accept, expect Sammy Watkins to be that guy I hope that it also means that the rookies do get a little bit more playing time than maybe they would have if Lazard was in the game especially now if Christian Watson is healthy because I think they deserve that um, and I'm sure again based on what Rogers has said about Dobbs and that his expectations are higher based on what he's been able to do in training camp that he should also get that nod um, but I also hope that, you know, we're, we're going to see a lot more Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon on the field. Um, we were doing our family fantasy football draft actually the other night and everyone was talking about what a good get Aaron Jones is going to be this season in fantasy because he's not only going to run, but he's going to be like wide receiver too for the Packers. And I was like, that's such a good point because we know that Rogers trusts throwing him the ball as well. So it's going to look different. I actually think that the Packers will be able to move the ball quite well against this Minnesota defense. Um, they have their usual suspects, right, in um, Daniel Hunter and Eric Kendricks, and obviously we know Zedarius Smith is on this team now, and Patrick Peterson, Cam Dantzler, but they didn't really add anybody that I'm like, ooh, watch out for him. So in terms of like a first game versus for the offense, I actually think that this will be a really, I shouldn't say easy, mediocre testing if you will yeah I mean I I do really like your point about AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones I think that they're going to be huge factors they'll you know it wouldn't shock me if you know when the stat sheet comes out at the end of the game they are the two leading receivers you know for the offense I just think that they're going to have really significant yards on the ground and through the air I think that's you know kind of the the Matt LaFleur way for this offense I think we're going to see a lot of that all season um, and hopefully you know we're just talking about this and Alan Lazard is able to play but I think the biggest test, at least where I'm seeing from this Vikings depth chart right now, is kind of the same thing we talked about with the Packers and where we want to see um, that depth, and it's the defensive line. You know, they have Dalvin Tomlinson, who they brought in. Uh, they traded for Ross Blacklock. Harrison Phillips came over from Buffalo. So the front kind of looks different. Yes, Z is in addition to, so he's technically different. But Daniil Hunter is really like the recognizable face as far as the mainstay for that pass rush unit. And, you know, we know the kind of dominant force that he can be. I know all over social media, they're talking about the Darius Smith revenge game and how he felt cited by the, the Packers and all that stuff. So I'm sure there's bulletin board material and his, uh, his pregame speech is going to be pretty explosive, but I do think that if the Packers can kind of control the line of scrimmage, then this will be a better game than we're expecting because the secondary doesn't strike fear the way that it used to a couple of years ago when it was Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith and, you know, their, their tandem of CBs. 
Right. It's so true. I mean, Anthony Harris is now not even on a team um, and Harrison Smith is getting up there. So I like that you mentioned the line of scrimmage because obviously it's still a huge question mark about which starting five offensive linemen are out there for the Packers. So let's say I'm kind of in the conservative camp of I don't think either Bach or Elton Jenkins are going to play. So you're looking at likely Yash, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman and or Jake Hansen, Royce Newman. Are we sure? I'm looking at the depth chart right now and I'm not really sure because the right tackle depth is Elton Jenkins and then Rasheed Walker. But are, is Rasheed Walker <laughs> going to play right tackle on Sunday? I don't think so. So it, it definitely will be interesting. But hey, at least they have the interior locked up. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the biggest question because I had some of those those same thoughts. You know, Zach Tom we know has taken looks just about everywhere along the offensive line, and right now he's listed as the backup left guard. Have to imagine that he would be one of the first choices to play just about anywhere if there was an injury. So you know, maybe that's just for like the cleanliness of the depth chart. But yeah, yeah I, I'm going to be more optimistic than you maybe, and it's just you know potentially getting my hopes up, but I, I say one of the two will start. Okay. I'm not willing to say who I think it'll be, but <laughs> I'm honestly actually leaning towards David Bakhtari. If one of the two does start. I am I mean, also, I am also. Um, okay. So then you, what put Yash at right tackle? I would, um, but I don't know how comfortable the Packers are with that because it seems like they've really done a lot of development with him at left tackle. You know, I, I just, you know, think back to the 49ers game and I know nobody wants to think about the way that last season ended when we're going into a fresh season, but you know, they had opportunities along the offensive line and they, they shook things up maybe a little too much. And I think that was part of the problem for the offense and the consistency. So I, I guess maybe to me, my preference would be to have Zach Tom play right tackle and have Royce Newman stay at right guard. But you know, we'd have to see what the Packers do. I've said on this show that I think Zach Tom is one of your best five, even, you know, when you've got Elton and David back. So yeah, we'll see though. I think consistency is key this early in the season. Like maybe somewhere down the line after many, many months of practice, you can feel confident trotting someone out in a position that's not really their number one or their area of strength. But week one, I think I agree with you. Don't, don't mess with the order of things. Um, The one thing I will say about this, though, is that Aaron Rodgers has obviously been practicing with this kind of mishmash, hodgepodge offensive line all offseason. So regardless of who's out there, I think he's going to be comfortable behind whoever it is. And if this offseason has been any indication, you know, he's had some say, too, in some personnel decisions. So I imagine he's had a voice in saying, I actually think I feel the most comfortable starting with these guys behind these guys. That's a guess. That's just like something I've been thinking about. Um, But I think especially for week one and just like wanting to be as successful as possible, I think, you know, you might have 12 saying, I want this guy out there at this position. And I want, like you said, I want Cobb and I want Watkins and I want Jonesy to use his words. Um, And I want AJ out there with me at least to start. And then you start mixing in all the new pieces. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, if last season is any indicator, Royce Newman to me is a better NFL guard than he is tackle. So the fact that they had him slated in as the starting right guard, I think, you know, for consistency's sake, like you're saying, is probably one of the better alignments for this offensive line. Um, not to completely shift gears, but I am really interested, you know, the more I kind of look at 
the Vikings depth chart, just thinking about the secondary and how the receivers are going to stack up. We saw Romeo Dobbs in preseason with his ability to get separation and kind of get behind defenders. There's a lot of Young, there's a lot of youth in in the Vikings secondary. There's Andrew Booth, uh, Lewis Seen, who you and I both really liked in the draft process. And then a Caleb Evans was a fourth round pick. So, you know, you think that, you know, kind of the starting starting base defense for the Vikings is pretty established. Chandon Sullivan, obviously yeah. most recently with the Packers as their nickel corner. But beyond that, you know, we love we know that Rodgers loves to challenge rookie DBs until they they give him a reason not to. And I think that if his receiving core can get separation, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for these young guys to get tested really early. Definitely. I mean, like I said, the Vikings have a new head coach. They also have a new defensive coordinator. Everything's new for them. So there's not a ton of tape. I mean, you can go back and look, I'm looking at the Vikings defensive coordinator now, Ed Donatel. Um, He spent the last three seasons with the Broncos. So you can go back and kind of look at the style of play that, the Broncos have deployed and see how that's going to work in this Vikings um, defense. But you're right. I mean, you're probably not going to target too much Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith if you're looking at just like the vets out there. Um, but Rogers also knows Chandon Sullivan. He knows his weaknesses. So depending on how much he plays, like that's an area to target. Um, I don't know. I, I think to me, like this front like I would want to see the Packers test this front as much as possible um, and try to run AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, not to be a broken record as much as possible. Um, mostly because you do have a couple of new guys out there um, in the Packers wide receiver core. And if you can start just jamming the ball down this front's throat, I think you can make this day like really, really difficult for the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm definitely most intrigued by is you know, the Kevin O'Connell effect. And it is, has less to do with, you know, the, the team itself, the Vikings didn't change all that much. But yeah. you're taking a really productive offensive coordinator who just won the Super Bowl with the Rams and that explosive offense that had Matt Stafford as a great quarterback, but, you know, they had a lot of pieces already. So if Kirk Cousins, you know, the Vikings obviously think that he can be serviceable and you add in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Delvin Cook, you know, O'Connell's got a lot of weapons to work with so, you know, no disrespect to Mike Zimmer, but he was always a defensive mind, like one of the greatest defensive minds in football. And, you know, it's kind of like the offense suffered from that. So they're yeah. bringing in now a guy who is incredibly offensive minded and young. And I think we'll be able to unlock a lot of this offense. And that, you know, could be concerning for the Packers, but I think that they have a better defense than they've maybe ever had to rise to that occasion. I agree. It's interesting you say that because, I was listening to you and I was thinking about how um, if anyone out there listens to Ben Fennell, I, you should be first of all. And he always, he has this kind of thing about calling quarterbacks game managers and how that's not actually necessarily a negative thing. And I think in this instance, like you want Kirk cousins to be the best game manager that he can be, because at the end of the day, you really just want to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and the Vikings have a lot. And I think that actually O'Connell is the guy. He comes from a scheme right with the Rams and all the way back. Same as Matt LaFleur that kind of knows how to scheme open your best weapons. And when you have a Justin Jefferson, who's, you know, potentially going to be offensive player of the year and a Dalvin cook and Adam Thielen, I think he's going to figure out actually how to tamper back some of Kirk's really bad um, 
word I'm looking for. Tendency. Yeah. yeah. Decision-making and tendencies and try to like actually get the ball, just get the ball into the hands of the guys who can make the plays, which again, is not something you want. <laughs> you want, you don't want, you want Kirk Cousins, you know, throwing you those gimme um, picks and, and easy interceptions if you're a Packers fan, but it will be interesting. Like you said, to know that like, this is a completely new, like, tenure in Minnesota and they have a really young new progressive GM just like I think they're trying to like change the way they view football there and I mean if they're successful it'll translate onto the field but like you said Packers defense is much better to rise to the occasion um yeah and something else I wanted to mention too you know just we're talking about all the the different faces that'll be in uh, the Vikings locker room, obviously Mike Patton as the assistant head coach, Mike Smith, the edge uh, coach, which just stings my heart a little bit, but also wanted to talk, you know, since we're talking about the Packers offense, Adam Stenovich is offensive coordinator. We know Joe Barry going into another year with the team. He's got, you know, even more pieces and weapons. Arguably he was able to bring his guys back. He didn't really lose anything significant in his room, but Nathaniel Hackett, obviously now the head coach of the, the Broncos who, you know, let's ride with Russ Wilson and whatever else is happening um, over in Denver. But, you know, Stenovich, the offensive line guru, maybe that goes into some of the game plan on Sunday, right? He, that's his bread and butter. We'll see kind of what he does, who he thinks the best five are. And I'm curious to see if it has any impact on the run game, because we we do know, obviously, it's still Matt LaFleur's offense, and he'll be calling the plays and all that. But Adam Senevich, I think, you know, being more vocal and getting more opportunities to really work with the offense um, will go a long way in kind of the preparation for the the running back tandem and the big year we think they'll have. Totally. And already there's differences, right? Because Hackett was up in the booth and Senevich has said he's going to be stay down on the field. Um, I don't know how much that impacts like what you do and what you see and what changes during a game. But I do think it's an interesting note, just like two completely different approaches. Um I trust Stenovich. I think it'll be interesting. I, I don't know how different it will be, like you said, because it's still LaFleur calling the plays. So I think in meetings and in game planning, there's going to be like the Stenovich touch, but I think it'll still very much look like a Matt LaFleur offense. I agree with you. And uh, I guess, you know, just to get our predictions in here before, uh, before the season gets too far, Aaron Rodgers, do you think he will have his third consecutive MVP season with this wide receiving core and with this Matt LaFleur offense? Or is it just, I mean, we got to do it early, right? We got to call our shot now because we can't do it when it's like week 16. Yeah. Why don't we do some of these predictions now? Cause I, I have a few in mind. Um, do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a third consecutive MVP? A no, because they don't think they vote him to a third consecutive MVP. Do I think he's going to keep playing at that level? Yeah, I do. Um, maybe that's overconfident of me, but I mean, his best rated, perfect passer rating game was a game without Devontae Adams in it. So I think we've seen over his career, Aaron Rodgers rises everyone to his level. He he just, he brings people along. And while he was amazing with Devontae Adams, he's also dragged a Jared Abraderis and a Jeff Janis to a divisional round game. So I feel very confident that Aaron Rodgers will be a-okay with this receiving core and he will have another high caliber season. And I didn't say that because I just drafted him as my quarterback in fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think it's hard to 
see the committee voting for a third consecutive MVP, but Brett Favre did it. It would obviously put him in the most elite company with Peyton Manning being the only player to ever have five MVPs. Rogers currently sits in second with four. So I think it also depends, you know, what's happening across the league. And maybe, maybe that's where we go with these predictions. Josh Allen, you know, set to have a big year. I think everybody and their mother has picked the bills to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Um, so that, that is something (laughs) that's definitely something to keep an eye on, but I think Rodgers will definitely be in the conversation. And if he is able to, to get this team into the postseason, which we're all expecting, I think we agreed that we think the Packers will win the NFC North and get themselves into contention for the Super Bowl. That'll go a long way in his candidacy because now we're seeing, you know, it's like the Matt, the, the Matt LaFleur rub where right. you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got Devontae Adams, you know, how much of it is your scheme, how much of it was the talent that you've got around you. So for all the talk about Rodgers not having a supporting cast, we'll see what he does with this group, who I think is going to to wake a lot of people up. And I think they'll they'll be more productive than people will give them credit for. I completely agree. The Ringer did just have an incredible article about Matt LaFleur and was the, fantastic. the nature of his success. And I really, really hope that he gets the credit that he deserves this season. I think he very much was last year, but I think he should and will be in the conversation for coach of the year again. But this feels to me like a Super Bowl or bust year for the Packers. And I don't say that lightly. I just feel like, you know, season four now with Matt LaFleur, they've made it so far so many times. And you know that like, the draft picks, everything about this, like this, the, the regular season doesn't matter really. Um, and I think that's kind of the mindset I'm going into with this season is I will probably get high and low with the team. Like I always do, but trying not to get too up and down based off of regular season wins and losses, because at the end of the day, I think January and February for this team is where it matters. So I'm going to enjoy the regular season and I can't wait for actual Packers football. Um, But that's kind of where my head's at before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, we say this just about every year. And every year, Matt LaFleur has, you know, done differently and gone 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-4. But I always say that I think this Packers team has the makeup to be a better football team with a worse record. And I'll say it again this year, and they'll probably go 13-4. and But, you know, I think what matters is, like you said, if you go 10-7 and and you can still win the NFC North and get into the playoffs and go on a run, you know, not to say that you don't want home games at Lambeau in the playoffs, maybe historically the last couple of years, that's been not great for the Packers, but I think you always want to play at home. You always want to have the cold on your side. You want to have your bed. You want to have all of the creature comforts that come with that. And you don't want to miss that opportunity, you know, for the city of Green Bay as well. But yeah, I think the Packers have everything in front of them. You know, there's obviously still really good teams like the Bucks and the Rams, But this is what the Packers have been building for. And, you know, part of getting or moving on from Devontae, even though they did offer him more money than the Raiders, was to be able to bring back Russell Douglas and Devondre Campbell and, you know, the draft picks that they got to acquire the talent that they did for guys like Quay Walker and Christian Watson, who will make significant impacts, you know, in their rookie season. So I think this season is kind of the culmination of what this front office has been working towards. Aaron Rodgers wanting to run it back and come back knowing it's without Devontae Adams. Like, I think it means a lot. And I think that the guys in the room are are getting frustrated by how close they're getting without actually getting over the hump. So it's time to put it together, even if the record is like 11 and six. 
Joe, Aaron Jones had a great comment about that because um, they did an interview. Someone did an interview with him and Aaron, uh, AJ Dillon, and they were talking about, you know, how great it would be to both be voted to a pro ball together. And Aaron Jones was like, well, we'd like the nod, but we don't want to be there. And like, that's what everyone's mindset is going into this season. Um, before we wrap up, do you want to do a couple like rapid fire thoughts about this game? Yeah, let's do it. You you start okay. though because it was your uh... okay. So, <laughs> do who's most yards? All purpose yards. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Okay, I'm gonna go AJ Dillon. Okay. Um. Do the Packers have an interception? Yes, and it's Devondre Campbell. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I'm going Rasul Douglas. Okay. Um, over under three sacks. Can I take the exactly three? <laughs> no. Is that cheating? Because that, that, that feels good to me. <laughs> okay, three. We're going three. I really think um, Rashawn Gary is about to have like a 10 plus sack season. Oh, hell yeah. I yeah. I want him to to come for that uh, that single season sack record. I, yeah. But. Okay, over under Rodgers. Two and a half touchdowns. I'm going to say two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. And I think one of them is going to be like a shovel pass. Like it's going to be like a really, you know, it's not, it shouldn't count, but it will. A three yard at the goal line to Aaron Jones. Shovel yep. pass. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just, I was going to say right over Zadarius Smith. Just. Oh yeah. Ugh. We're, we're not going to talk about that interview. <laughs> to discuss. Okay. Those, those were all of mine. Okay. Does Zadarius Smith get a sack in this game? No. Okay. Let's let's do over under then for the Vikings defense, three sacks. Under. Under. Okay. I yeah. I feel like three again. Like I feel like this is just gonna be like a like a rough and tough. It's, it's gonna be decided gonna by be the trenches. Yeah, for sure. But no, I think I would I could see two. Well, Anthony Barr's not there anymore. I was gonna say over under how many times the announcers talk about a broken collarbone in Minneapolis. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, too many. How many times is the horn blare? Um, oh my god! Hopefully none. All right. Is that it? That's that's what we got. All that's right. What we got. Final score. We always do a final score, so let's talk about it. Do the Packers walk out of U.S. Bank Stadium with their first win of the season? Yeah, I'm going. It's going to be a little bit of a slog, I think. So I'm going like 2017. Packers. Okay, I was thinking like 21-17 or 24-21. You know, ideally it would be a Mason Crosby walk-off field goal, just get him back out there, start his, you know, continue his consecutive streak. He'll be back and healthy. I believe he was a full participant in practice as early as, like you said, we record on Wednesdays. So yes, he was a full participant, so he should be good to go. Um, yeah, I, I think a low scoring game. I think if the Packers control the line of scrimmage, like we expect them to, um, I think that's the biggest question mark because we know it's not the defense at this point and the Packers will have their weapons on offense. So we'll see what happens. We will. All right. It's week one. We made it. We, we did it. it. We did it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Packs What She Said podcast now with Odyssey. Very excited about that. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at 
PWSS podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can also follow the podcast on YouTube and Twitch and Instagram at Pax What She Said. And you can still find the podcast RSS feed on the Cheese Head TV website if you're used to getting the podcast that way. So thank you, as always. Um, we appreciate you listening, and we're excited um, to kick off the season with Odyssey. So go pack, go go pack, go.